Hello, everybody. Today on the SNS podcast, we have Lauren Jabara, who is the Colorado Avalanche and Colorado Rapids reporter and host for Altitude TV here in Denver, Colorado. Lauren and I met at the first Rapids match of the season. She was incredible and super friendly, very nice, and gave a lot of insight into her career. In today's podcast episode, we talk about some of the struggles she had going into this business, and then we talk about how she didn't have the best interview, but still landed the job. Lauren also touches a bit on how she does research and what's in her bag for every single game day. Plus, she talks about her social media following and the best way to just be yourself. Here's Lauren Jabara. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. First of all, how is quarantine life treating you? I've seen you've been doing Instagram Lives and doing your new social show with Altitude. Yeah, Rach, just, I'm truly just trying to stay busy right now. It's such a weird thing going from 100 miles an hour to zero miles an hour, truly with a snap of a finger. Um, but just trying to stay busy, trying to stay positive, you know, focus on the things that you're grateful for. I feel like in this time, it's really easy when you have, you know, your job kind of stripped away and your social relationships and being able to be with other people, all of that kind of stripped away. It's, it takes a mental toll, um, and especially just because it's such, you know, uneasy and uncharted waters it's just a little bit unsettling um so just focusing on the things that you do have and and what you're thankful for and what you're positive or what's positive in your life I think is um you know a really good way to shift your mind to help get through this time and I know everybody's really going through um, a lot of the same feelings a lot of the same things but just trying to stay busy both mentally physically you know getting a lot of workouts in um, the weather's been beautiful here in Denver so going on some walks you know but staying a safe distance away from other people but just going on walks and trying to stay busy that way and and then we were talking earlier you know just zooming with friends and facetiming with family and and staying connected in that way, just because you can't be physically with someone doesn't mean you can't, you know, be with someone through a screen. So I'm really thankful for social media and um, all the technology that we have these days. Yeah, Lauren, I actually need to jump on your workout classes. I've seen you post about them <laughs> on Instagram because I have not been working out during this time and I need to get on it. But I'm one of those people who needs like somebody to walk me through like a really good workout, right? You can go like on a run, but like you're not putting a hundred percent in. Like I need you to push me through (laughs) Zoom, okay? Girl, I got you. You let me know when you want to join and we'll make it happen. I love it. And it's a way to connect. I teach classes to my friends via Zoom um, probably three, four days a week. And so it's just nice to like stay in touch with them that way, but also stay physically active at the same time. Um, And it increases endorphins, which you know, you got to love it. So you're more than welcome to join any single time you want. Oh, I'm going to text you after we get done. We're going to figure out a schedule because I definitely need to. We may not need our summer bodies this year, but it's still nice to have them, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's good for the mental mindset. There you go. So how long have you been an instructor for bar? So um, I actually started teaching the summer that I graduated from college. So 2015, I graduated from the University of Michigan in April, May. Um, and I moved home with my parents and I was just looking for something to do while I was also like trying to get internships and get my first job out of college in the broadcasting field. Um, I was like, why not? I love working out. I love being around people and I have a really loud mouth and a big personality. So I'm like, oh, this could be perfect. You know, so I um, applied and they picked me as an instructor and I started training with them. And so at this point now, it would have been five years. I still teach here um, in Denver in the off season. So um, the studio I teach at is called The Barcode. It's pretty cool. They have a bunch of locations all around the country, but it was cool moving from uh, Metro Detroit here to Denver. They have a bar studio here in Denver. So I taught there for a little bit. So it's been Long answer to your short question, five years that I've been teaching workout classes, bar and kickboxing and boot camp. So it's a little fun, you know, side hustle. Nice. Which kind of class is your favorite? I love teaching kickboxing, you know, it's a way to just like, you just, you're there and you're mentally in it and you just like punch and it just, it's a way to get all of your anger out or it's a way to just boost your energy in general. And it's just always been a really, really fun class to teach and to take. Nice. Well, let's get back to sports really quick. So where were you when all this news kind of broke about the NBA postponing the season, the NCAA? Yeah. (laughs) So the NBA postponing, obviously they were the first um, league to do that. And I was actually up, I was at Pepsi Center. We were playing the New York Rangers, the Avs taking on the New York Rangers. It was March 11th. um, And it was about 730 
that the Woj bomb dropped and he tweeted out the NBA is suspending the season indefinitely. And it was 7.30 and I was just getting ready to go on camera. I had a hit on camera at like 7.40 and Connor McGahee and Peter McNabb were up there with me in the booth and they were talking on camera and then we went to commercial and I go, guys, the NBA just suspended their season. And we all just kind of like looked at each other and we're like, whoa, you know, like that's, it really hit hard as soon as, you know, sports are taken away. It's just like, what? But the fact that the NBA made that decision, which I clearly completely understand why they did, um, you know, with Rudy Gobert being diagnosed with COVID-19. And, and then we've seen how that's kind of trickled in the other teams with the Pistons and Christian Wood, Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, just everybody that's that's been affected by it. a few um, Brooklyn Nets players. And then it kind of trickled into hockey as well. But we were sitting there that Wednesday night and we're like, oh, man, this is going to be our last game, at least with fans you know, cause we didn't know which direction the NHL was going to go in at that point. And I think by the end of the game, um, we kind of all knew that that might be, you know, the last game that would be played for a little while. Um, so my mom was actually in town, which is crazy. So we came back to my house. We were just sitting there talking. We're like, this is just so bizarre that, you know, two weeks ago we were hearing how bad it was in Italy and, and that we need to take it seriously. And then we're like, Oh, like people, listen but they don't necessarily understand unless you're going through it and then fast forward two weeks the nba is suspended indefinitely um obviously wake up that thursday morning the 12th of march um and that's when everything else kind of trickled you know the ncaa tournament and then um the nhl announced that they were postponing their season um so it was just kind of a crazy time i was sitting here at home on my couch with my mom just watching espn and kind of all of the coverage that was going along with it and i'm just like it, it didn't really hit me yet because it was like, oh, the next day we're supposed to play Vancouver Canucks on Friday the 13th, you know, so it didn't really hit me like the exact moment when they postponed it. But just sitting there with my mom and kind of talking about it, I'm like, this is going to get really bad. It's just it's just an unprecedented time where no one really knows what to do. No one really knows the answers. And we're kind of all going through it and figuring it out together. Um but it's just a really, really crazy time. It's cool to be a part of history. It's horrible to see, you know, how much of an impact this has had on people's lives, families, individuals who are not only immunocompromised, but people who are completely healthy also getting very sick from this as well. Um, so we're experiencing history. We're in it. We're a part of it. Um, and it's just crazy. I've been trying to journal every day, just like my thoughts, my feelings and, and what's been, you know, kind of going on in the daily progression of it, just so I, for myself, have you know, kind of a, when I look back, I can kind of see, you know, the progression of it and, and what I was mentally going through just so I can share stories with my kids and grandkids when I grow up too, because they're probably not going to ever experience anything like this. Like, this is so crazy, isn't it? I know. You think about how this has never happened in history. You know, and I used to always joke, I'm like, gosh, what I would do to just like sit down and have a full month to do nothing. And it's only been three weeks and I'm like, I need to do something. Like, I will never say that joke again. Like, ever. Yes. I need to have things to do. Like, it's just, it's been such a crazy time. And then Avalanche players, um, names weren't announced, but two Avalanche players were diagnosed. And have, do you know the names? Obviously, you don't have to say them, but are they still doing better? Are they doing okay? Um, I do not know the names. And at this point, it's not really, you know, necessarily important, like who has it or who doesn't. But I think it's really good. They both have, you know, had the symptoms, they've both recovered. Um, and it was the fact that, you know, it was important that the people that were around those two players were notified and from everything that we know that they were. Um, and so they were able to social distance as well and not be around other people and, and be infecting other people. So that was really good on the avalanche part, um, letting people know who are around those players. Um, but they've both recovered from what I've heard um, and that they're doing well. And I think everyone is still, you know, social distancing and staying at home in isolation. So even though they're technically out of their 14 day um, home quarantine, they're still staying at home. And um, did you have to get tested just, at all? Cause you're around all no, of them. I, yeah, I didn't actually. Cause I wasn't on the last road trip with the team. And then that game against the Rangers on the 11th, um, they had, 
and it like issued, I mean, it, it just wasn't the same as it normally was. We weren't allowed access to the locker room. I didn't do interviews on um, mm-hmm. that game in between periods. So I wasn't really around the players, um, but I did, I have been staying home. I think I've only left my house like once or twice in the last three weeks to go grocery shopping. Like I truly have been taking the social distancing very seriously because, you know, the sooner that everybody does and the sooner that we all stay home, which really in, you know, the long run, it's not that hard to do stay home. And yeah, I guess you're bored, you know, but if it's helping other people and helping not overwhelm, you know, the hospitals and, and the medical professionals, um, it's so important to do. So I've just been kind of taking that seriously because the quicker that we all do it, the quicker that we get back to, you know, normal. It's Cause so right true. now this is our normal, which is so bizarre to think about, but this is our normal right now. So just the faster that everybody, you know, kind of jumps on board and, and, you know, is bored, but you can, you know, make the most out of it at home, play games with your family, draw, read a book, you know, just be, it's okay to like not be busy all the time. It's okay to be alone with your thoughts. And I think that that's like kind of what I've taken out of this too, is I'm usually always so busy that I never really have time to process what's going on. I'm always focusing on the next thing and the next thing, the next thing. And, um, it's been kind of weird to get hit you know, at a time where you're just, you're just at a standstill and you're just like, wow, I actually have time to like be with my thoughts and like read a book and just be, yeah. and, it's, and that's okay too, you know? No, I totally agree. I've actually tried to be, at, or tried to add five things into my routine that I want to do, like making my bed every single morning. Um, I'm trying that's to great. drink more water. I was trying to meditate for five minutes, you know, just trying to do all of those things. Um, cleaning my counters at night, like just something that I wouldn't ever really think of when you're super busy, but it's actually been a huge help. I love waking up and having a completely clean kitchen. So absolutely. Just- and, and also the fact is like having some sense of stability, mm-hmm. you know, it's some sense of like a routine every day. Like I know for me personally, I'd wake up and I'd be like, okay, I have morning skate today. Then I'll come home, make some lunch, prep for the game, come back, have our meeting with our group. You know, there's just like such a routine to every day. And if it's not a game day, then it's a practice day and I'm going to practice and I'm going to work out. And then, um, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Um, so just finding that sense of routine and stability, and I'm glad that you're able to find it, you know, just by doing little things around the house. And that's so important to stay like mentally sane during this time. That's true. But you're also working, like you said, the social sports show that altitude is putting on, uh, how are all of your coworkers doing? Is everybody doing well? Yeah. Everyone's doing well. Um, and I think everyone's really excited about this new show. It's called Sports Social Every Day, Monday through Friday. Um, it's digitally streamed on Altitude, Colorado Avalanche, Facebook and Twitter, Nuggets, Facebook, Twitter, Mammoth and Rapids, Facebook and Twitter, and then Altitude, obviously, Facebook and Twitter. And it's just a cool way to, you know, be able to stay connected, not only to like my coworkers, but also to the community. The best part about it is it's a community-based show. So we want people asking questions. We want people, you know, pitching ideas of who they want to hear from like we had Holly Rowe on today and Katie Wingy and Chris Dempsey did a great job interviewing her um and so just hearing from people all around not only you know just here in in the Denver metro community but all around the nation um we're gonna have you know broadcasters from places like Boston and New York and Detroit and also like players from all around every league um and so it's cool because it's not just based here in Denver but it's it's you know, expanding to the nation and, and even globally at that, I think we're going to, you know, be doing some stuff with Arsenal football club and, and all that stuff. Um, wow. So it's really, really cool. And it's a way to stay connected and it's something to watch right now with no sports. You know, I've, I've struggled besides watching Tiger King and I started <laughs> Tiger King, not a huge fan. I cannot get into it. I don't know why. Um, it's and like just other shows on Netflix. Train wreck. Yeah. It's so hard. I, I've you heard. Like have to... I have heard. It's cringy. Oh, I know. I feel like I'm only at episode one and I just can't get past it, but I feel like I should at least watch a couple so I can be a part of conversations with other people. Right, on social media. Um, <laughs> exactly. But it's cool because this sports social show just allows, you know, people to connect with, with us as broadcasters, but also like allows us a chance to connect with, with the community as well. And, and that's our job is to be a vessel between, you know, the players and the, and the fans. And so um, it kind of like breaks it down. So, um, yeah, if you ever want to tune in or if you ever have any ideas, let me know and we can we can implement them in the show. Definitely. I've watched a couple minutes of different ones just here and there when I could. Uh, so cool. it was fun. I watched the first first episode that you guys did, the entire uh-huh. one. Um, and then oh, just nice. like here and there, I've been able to tune in a little bit. I didn't know Holly was on today, though. 
I would love to. Yeah, I'm going to have yeah. to go back and watch it. That's one of the nice things, Absolutely. too, is you can go back to watch it. Yeah, that's the cool thing about it being streamed. And then we air it on Altitude later in the evenings. But then we also clip off a bunch of different, you know, interviews and segments that we do and post them on social media. Um, so it's just a really good way to stay connected to the community as a whole. And one of the major things when people think of Altitude, obviously, is the Comcast and DirecTV and Dish drama. Um, obviously, I don't know if you can touch on this, but with all the Corona stuff going on, like, is there any hope that uh, the Avalanche games, Rapids games, or Nuggets games will be back on air by the time the season could possibly start? So we're on DirecTV right now. I'm not sure quite about Comcast or Dish. Um, I know that Comcast has disputes with quite a few other regional networks um, around the area. Well, not area, but around the nation. Um, so that's just like something that's going on right now. I'm not really super involved in that. I just kind of show up and do my job. Um, you know, let the I'm people make the, the real big bucks deal with it. <laughs> I, yeah. So the people, so it's definitely, you know, above my job title, but I know that they're working really hard to try to get back on Comcast and give fans a way to, you know, view games. Um, even though we're, right now we're not technically playing new games. I know they're airing a bunch of, you know, old classic games that people would love to watch. So people who have direct TV are able to see it right now. Um, I know they're working really hard to get Comcast back on board. And so fingers crossed, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, fingers crossed. I would definitely love to see them back up. But Lauren, you and I met on the first Rapids home opener. Yes. Uh, first time we had ever met, talked, fell in love with you. You are such an amazing person. You were so open oh, and so, honest so with me. So are you. I, think, I really, oh gosh, really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but I remember one thing about that. And that is you walked in with a huge bag of stuff. Oh my gosh. I know. I am the bag lady. It is horrible. I need to know what are your game day essentials? What are in that bag? If you were to give younger reporters. (laughs) So I have a really big purse. You could consider it a tote. You can consider it a duffel bag. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, But I fit a lot of crap in that bag. Um, So for avalanche games, obviously I usually wear heels, but I don't wear heels into the arena. So um, I'll always wear like flats or tennis shoes and pack my heels in my bag. I always have a five hour energy. I know they're really bad for me. My coworkers tell me I need to stop taking them. Um, but I do love five hour energy. It keeps the energy going really late at night, which is necessary. Um, always have my makeup in my bag. Like I always have, I'm really specific with my notebook. So I always have my notebook. I have my planner because I don't put anything in my phone. I, I old school, old school planner. I write it down, pull out my, you know, monthly planner and write everything down that I have to do. I don't know. Technology freaks me out when it comes to that stuff. I feel like it's going to get deleted on accident or something like that. Um, so I always have that in there. I have colored pens, usually six colors between pink and blue and purple and black. I know that's like so basic. Um, Why do you have colored pens? What's the purpose? I love, I don't know. I just, they just make me happy. So okay. I'm taking notes. Like for Rapids games, I'll use um, a different pen for my notes during the game. And then if I'm writing down any like ideas for questions that I have, I'll use a different color pen for that. And then if I have like players specifically that I want to ask for, I'll write their names down in a different color pen. It just helps me like mentally organize um, what's going on in my notebook because it looks like a bunch of chicken scratch. (laughs) So it just kind of helps me like know where to look. I'm like, okay, the pink is for this. And then for um, avalanche games, for every period, I do a different color pen for every period. And then I'll write down the questions that I'm asking in between in between periods um, in a certain color. And then my post game questions in a certain color. I don't know. I'm very OCD when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to specific things. And so, yeah, colored pens. It's my jam. Paper source. They have the best one. <laughs> I'll remember that <laughs> next time I'm at Target. <laughs> oh, yeah. Key to success. Colored pen. <laughs> so what else do you have in your bag? Um, so always game notes. Um, let me think of what else. I usually bring some hairspray because you never know. Weather can be crazy, especially if you're traveling like Florida. home. Oh, oh, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, and then usually like when I'm on the road, you know, I'll have like a book that I'm reading at the time and um, like my sunglasses and my regular glasses I'll put in there. I always have at least one water bottle, sometimes two. 
I don't even know, but it ends up like overflowing out of the top and I'm like leaning to the side, trying to carry it. And everyone always makes fun of me. They're like, Oh no, the bag lady's back at it again. <laughs> so I've kind of embraced the title <laughs> and we just go, we move forward with it. We move forward knowing that I'm a pack rat and I bring a lot of stuff to the game. <laughs> but you're always prepared. I'm sure people come up to you and they're like, do you have this? And you're like, yes, I do. Hold on one second. Exactly. Always have clothespins. Um, just in case you have a wardrobe malfunction. I have my IFB all the time. Um, my, badge to get into the arenas um always have band-aids on hand just in case um yeah like basically anything you need I have always have like ibuprofen just in case and like pepto-bismol just in case and my coworkers have had to use all this stuff before so I feel like you they know can't give you any I'll continue being it. the bag lady yeah I'll continue being the bag lady if I can help people out <laughs> so you played soccer in college and then you yeah. got the Rapids job and then it led into the Avalanche job. You kind of had a yeah idea that you may possibly work for the Avalanche, but you didn't know hockey. So how has it been having to, I mean, we all, like, we all watch it. We all know like a little bit about it, but actually having to report on it, what did you have to learn yeah. to kind of so- feel more prepared? Yeah. So it's actually crazy. Um, so growing up, both my brothers played hockey. So I used to go to a lot of their games, um, watching them and, and watching like specific things. And then I kind of grew apart from it in college. I still would go to a bunch of university of Michigan hockey games. I'd still watch the NHL. Um, but I didn't follow it as closely. Um, and then after I graduated college, I worked in the NBA for four years for the Detroit Pistons. So Um, that was crazy. And then I also did a little bit of in arena hosting back in Detroit for the Detroit Red Wings, like my senior year of college. And then my first year out of college, but that was more like giveaways and fun stuff. It wasn't necessarily like hard hitting hockey reporting. Um, so when I got this job here at altitude, I was super excited to cover the Colorado Rapids and, um, the position for the Colorado Avalanche was still open. And I'm like, I want to show them, you know, that I'm ready for this and that I can do this. Like, I want to get back into hockey. It's one of my favorite sports to watch. It's so high paced and um, fast and fun. And I feel like just the atmosphere and the fans that surround it are some of the best fans, you know, in the entire world. They're just so passionate about their team. Um, And so when our boss, Kenny Miller, told me that, that the Avalanche job was mine, you know, I was super excited, but also really nervous because obviously Lauren Gardner is phenomenal at her job. She's just such a light in this world um, off the ice and, and away from, you know, broadcasting. She's just such a good person and a great friend and mentor to me since I've gotten here to Denver. Um, but I knew that I had really, really big shoes to fill. Um, so I just worked really hard. I would read about all the teams. I tried to rem- memorize you know, every single player and every team and, and at least like one or two stats about them. Um, but it just kind of comes like after time, like the first game that I worked was game four against Calgary in the postseason. And that was about a month ago um, or not about a month ago. Wow. About a year ago. <laughs> Gosh, this time is just going by so fast. Um, it was about a year ago that I worked my first avalanche game. And, and then I worked the game five in Calgary, um, where we clinched the series and, and made it to the second round against the San Jose sharks. And those are just two surreal experiences. I remember what really calmed me down at first. Um, I was doing my first ever interview on altitude, um, in between the first and second period, it was game four. And, um, I was interviewing Tyson Berry and he walked out of the locker room and we just made eye contact. And he, I think he could tell I was nervous. Um, and he looked at me, he goes, this is your first game. And I said, yeah, it is. He goes, congratulations. You're going to do great. And that just like, this is like in the middle of a playoff game that he's playing. And he like said something really nice to calm me down and make me feel at ease. And, And since then I've just like felt like if I move forward with confidence, you know, confidence is key. Anything that you do, if you're confident in it, you know, you're going to excel at it. And so I was just like, you know what, like, that's like the most true thing. I just need to believe in myself. And so from that point on, I was studying hockey nonstop, you know, players, plays, um, and then just being around it every single day also helps too. being around the same people, the same team, learning the players, learning their you know, mentalities, learning who's good at what kind of interviews and who's better at the funny interviews and the serious interviews. Um, it's so it's like learning about the sport, but it's also learning about the the different personalities that you have around you as well. And the personalities and someone like a Mark Mosier and a Peter McNabb and just how they work. Um, and so it's just been such a great year, like learning experience wise, like not just learning about the sport, but just learning, you know, about 
working with a team like this, like our team at altitude and the Colorado avalanche team are two of the closest knit teams that I've ever been around. And it's just been such a, a dream and an experience this season to be able to, you know, go through that with them. Um, but I'm so happy I got to be back in hockey covering a sport that, you know, I grew up watching, grew up loving, um, and just being back in it and being able to cover it and be surrounded by so many people who are supportive and, and, and love the sport and love their job as much as I do. It's just been incredible. I know you just celebrated your one year anniversary with altitude. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. I know the Thank city of you. Denver has fallen in love with you <laughs> and everything you've brought to it. You're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. But it's hard when you come to a new city, you don't know anybody, especially in then working and trying to build those relationships. What advice would you have to somebody who's going to a new city to try and build the relationships with players, with staff members, SID, like anything? Yeah. So it was a very, very weird experience. This is my first time living out of outside of the state of Michigan. Um, and so it was kind of like, I just kind of took a leap of, you know, a leap of faith. And um, when I came here for my interview, it just felt like the right fit. So um, I got to meet a lot of different people that day. Obviously, my boss, Kenny Miller, who's incredible, and he's been such a support system for me throughout this past year. Um and he's done a really good job of of introducing me to people right off of the bat. Um, and then after that, it's just kind of like if you see somebody that you didn't know or that you haven't necessarily met yet, I would just go up to everyone and anyone and be like, hi, I'm Lauren Jabara. I'm the new reporter here. Um, what's your name? What's your job title? What do you do? I um, would love to chat for a couple minutes. And then for me also to remember people's names, um, especially when I first got here, it was so hard because I felt like I was meeting so many people at once. After I'd have a conversation with someone, I'd go and jot it down in my notebook. Um, I love taking notes on everything and anything. So I would just write their name down, write down their job title, and then like one or two facts of what we talked about. And that helped me like the next time that I would see that person to kind of, you know, help to like ask questions and um, just get to know different people. And, and it made relationships feel more personal. And now I feel like I've gotten to know a lot of the people that I work with um, on a deeper level. And maybe not even the people that I work with on a daily basis, obviously I know who they are, but people that I see maybe once a month, once every other month, um, it just kind of helped you to, you know, establish those kind of relationships and, and make a new place feel like home. Um, and then outside of that, I had a few friends that lived here from back in Michigan. So outside of work that kind of helped, you know, helped me adjust and have, have a good group of friends here. Um, right from the start. So that was pretty exciting, but then just like maintaining those relationships. But what I would say is just never burn any bridges. Anyone that you meet, um, genuinely be interested in, in who they are and what they do. And, um, cause what I found is I've learned something from every single person that I've met. And I feel like maybe you probably feel the same way too. Just anyone in the industry, anyone that works in sports in general, whether it's broadcasting or a player or a coach, um, it's just going into those relationships and feeling confident about them and, and feeling like you're really investing yourself in them because, um, at the end of the day, that's all we really have is relationships, especially right now when something like our jobs are stripped away. It's so cool to know that I made those relationships and I could reach out to someone and ask how they're doing, or I can, you know, call them and see if, if, if how they're staying busy and, and what they're up to during this time. So it, it's more than just a job. It's creating like a family culture and a family relationship. And I just think that really investing your time into getting to know people um, is the best way to do that. And then just establishing that, you know, what you're talking about too. I feel like establishing trust with players and coaches comes from being, um, you know, just being intellectual and knowing what you're talking about, about the sport, knowing that you're putting in the work and you're trying to learn, even though um, when I first got here, you know, I'd been in basketball for the last four years. So I really studied a lot and tried to show that I knew what I was talking about and, and, and prove myself in that way. And, and, and I found that that has really helped establish relationships, especially with the players and coaches. What ways were you studying? Would you go to a local library slash bookstore to like look up books or were you just reading things online? Yeah, I would do a lot of online studying. I mean, Google is maybe your best resource that you can use. And then from that, Google and Twitter. Um, and so just following different um, experts in the field. And then on top of that, asking my coworkers questions. Like there's been so many times that I'll just sit down with Peter McNabb or Mark Mosier and just ask them questions. 
um, and never be afraid to ask a stupid question because it's probably not stupid if you don't know the answer to it. Um, and that's what that's what Pete told me right from the beginning is he's like, never be afraid to ask anything. He's like, we've been in this for a, lo- a long time and we, we want to help you succeed. Um, so they've been really good with that, too. So Googling Twitter, reading different articles, what are, whether that be The Athletic, Ryan Clark is an amazing, amazing writer um, for the Colorado Avalanche. So I read a lot of his work and he does a lot of like story based work too, not just, you know, facts and numbers. It's a lot of like t- storytelling. And, and I love that about his work too. And so just like using all the resources that you have around you, whether it be your coworkers and asking questions or Google and, you know, learning stats about each individual player from the last few seasons, or whether it be just reading articles from the athletic or, or mile high or anything that you can read, um, just knowledge is power. Um, so just being able to find different ways to study in that way, but yeah, mostly the internet and then using my coworkers as resources too. I love that they said there's no stupid question. Cause you know, yeah. a lot of people think that when you go to a professional sports team that you need to know everything right off the bat, like that's how you quote unquote get the job. But I love that they were like, don't worry about it. We're here to help you. We're here to help like make you look better too. And it makes us look better as a team. Right. Yeah. And I think that's so important too, is just knowing like, we're all still growing. We're all still trying to be the best that we can be. And so let's grow together instead of individually. And it was just cool coming in here and having that family like atmosphere right from the beginning. You didn't have your greatest interview with Altitude. You told me that at the Rapids game. So what would you say to somebody who maybe comes out of an interview and they're like, man, I really wish I would have done this better. I would have done this better. Obviously, you still got the job with Altitude. So is there something that you feel like you did afterwards or you talk to somebody just to be like, look, I like this was not my best interview, like and to show that it's okay to have a weakness there? Yeah, absolutely. So my interview here with Altitude ended up being, you know, an all day thing. It was like a 12 hour thing. And I met a bunch of different people. Um, But it was my on camera interview that I felt like I didn't do the best that I could do at. And I knew that and I and I t- told my boss that I was like, I think I was just really nervous. Um, and, and this just maybe wasn't my like the best showing for me. Um, but I really hope that you can see that I'm so passionate about this job and I really want to be here. And, you know, I loved meeting everyone and it just feels like the right fit. Um, and then a week later when I got the phone call and he said, everyone here loved you. Um, but after that, I also sent, after my interview, I also sent some more on camera, on camera clips that I had done at, at different times. And he's like, Oh, yeah, we can see through that, that that you know, you have a good on camera presence, and you know how to speak in front of a camera, and you know how to talk about sports. And um, he's like, he's like, yeah, I, he goes, everyone has an off day. And, you know, that happens. And so I think it would just be like, my piece of advice is just like following up, like, like, sent, if you know that you can do it, and and you have different clips that you can send, make sure to send those just so they can see, you know, a bunch of different types of work that you've done, not necessarily just right on the spot, like a five minute on camera segment, but show, you know, maybe an interview you've done at a different time or, or another on camera segment that you did at a different time. And, and, and maybe that will help, you know, sway the outcome. But I think ultimately, what ended up working for me is I think I just like clicked with the people here at altitude when I interviewed here. And, and, um, I think that that showed through more than anything. And I was so grateful, um, when Kenny offered me the job here, I just felt like it was, you know, meant to be, and I, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So, um, even though you feel like maybe, you know, you didn't necessarily do the best that you could do, just learn from it, know that it's going to be okay. And if it doesn't go your way, then it just is not your time. You know, like the amount of times that I've heard no before I got this job here, um, isn't, it was, I mean, it's, it's, it, it brings you down a little bit, but it's, you have to stay mentally strong. One, know that you're good enough to three, know what you can bring to the table and then know that maybe if you get here knows that it's not your time yet and, and that's okay. And I feel like I heard all of those no's so I can ultimately get the yes here and, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but here. And you didn't get a yes right away. You actually got a hold on, let's see what we can get. And it was months later that you finally were like, or that you got an email being like, hey, we'd like to bring you out. Yeah. So I actually interviewed or interviewed. I actually called um, Kenny Miller, my boss uh, in October of 2018. I sent him an email and said, here's my reel. I heard you might have a job opening. Very interested in working for altitude. And he emailed me back saying, 
hey, we filled the position, um, but love your reel, would love to keep you in mind. And um, I said, I would love that, you know, if anything ever opens up, let me know. And so about five months later, it was the end of January, beginning of February, I got an email from him and he's like, we're looking at putting together a new position for the Colorado Rapids job. I know you've played soccer. Um, would you be interested in maybe hearing more about it? And I, my heart just fluttered when I got that email and I was like, absolutely. I would love to hear more about it. And then a week later, I got an email and he said, how well do you know hockey? Um, our sideline reporter for the Avs is most likely leaving. Um, and I just said, I love hockey. I grew up with hockey. It's a sport that I know well. And, um, you know, I would I would love to, you know, hear what you guys are doing at Altitude and, and hear more about the opportunity. And a few weeks later, I was flying out for an interview at the beginning of March. Um, and it just kind of happened so fast. And I met everybody and did my on-camera interview and met um, everyone at the Rapids organization, met everyone at the Avalanche organization, met all of my coworkers, my now coworkers. Um, and so it was just a crazy whirlwind of a day. Um, and I flew back home and I was like, oh, I want this job more than anything in the world. Um, and then about a week later, I got a phone call and he's like, we want to offer you the job. Um, let's do this thing. And I'm like, let's do this thing. Let's make it happen. I'm so excited. Um, and that was for the Colorado Rapids job. And he's like, we want to make sure that you're ready for the abs job before we officially offer it. Um, the job is still open online technically. And then after the first couple weeks, um, he's like, yeah, we're going to have you fill in for, um, the game four and game five against Calgary. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is happening so fast. And it's everything that I wanted and more. Um, and so I'm just so lucky. I just think God was looking out and Kenny has been the absolute best boss that I could ever ask for. And I couldn't ask for any better coworkers. Um, so it's just, it's just a matter of sticking to it and knowing like what you want to do, knowing what your dream is, and then just following those dreams till the end. Kenny is incredible. I wasn't even working for KSC and he would still look at my reel and he would critique me and I had just mm -hmm. reached out via email and I'm, he's one of the best humans in this industry. Like I, you know, he's not even my boss and I feel lucky to know him and just be able to reach out to him if I have any questions too. He's an awesome person for sure. It really is true. Like he just wants everybody to succeed and, and he just really looks out for everybody. And it's, it's, it's just an awesome trait to have, like not only as a boss, but just as a human being in general. Um, and so, yeah, he's a godsend to this earth. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, Lauren, I want to talk to you about fashion. So obviously this podcast is called sports and stilettos. Uh, you have an incredible fashion taste and oh, thank I know you. you use Rent the Runway, which a lot of women in the industry do. Is there a go-to outfit you would say that you have? Uh, yes, I love wearing a blazer and my Spanx black leather leggings um, with a pair of heels. It's just like the easiest go-to. You could just put on a black tank top underneath and then just bunch of different blazers and no one would ever know that you're wearing the same outfit. So that's usually like my go-to. Um, but if I'm not using Rent the Runway, I always, it sounds so weird, but Amazon actually has really good good quality clothes. I love Amazon. Yes. Yes. So you would never think to shop for clothes on Amazon, but they have some of the best clothes that you could imagine. I get some really, really, um, great pieces there, if you will. And, and it's nice because it's, you're not spending an arm and a leg to have them. You're spending, it's like $30 for a blazer or $20 for a blazer. Um, so it's really nice to be able to have that as a resource and it gets there in one to two days, Amazon prime. Shout right. Out. I know it's been that's been one of the biggest struggles during this entire COVID-19 thing is I was so used to eating Amazon packages you know you order it Monday night they're on Wednesday for sure yeah and now things are like weeks out and I'm like oh like obviously it's taking it, a little bit longer yeah, yeah obviously their resources need to go elsewhere but I'm like man I just realized how impatient I am yeah <laughs> I know we're so used to getting everything instantaneously via you know the internet and, and Amazon Prime and all that stuff it's just it's it's a different it's a different shift in mindset that's for sure very true you also though with uh the avalanche and the rapids both can be very cold obviously with the avalanche the ice it can be very chilly in there plus with the rapids being outside you never know if it can snow what is your key to dressing warm but cute um again a lot of times the blazer is a very good way a lot but it, what's it 
a trick that I've learned is, is I usually wear heels during the games, um, especially with avalanche games, not necessarily on, um, the soccer pitch just because your heels will sink into the, you know, grass. Um, but I wear boots like snow boots or tennis shoes into the arena. And I wear those up into the last second that I can. And then I change into my heels just for the game. And then right after I'm done with interviews, yep changing right back into those boots. Um, so that's a way to stay warm. But I also always have um, my coat with me. I know that one of my friends, Carlin Bath, she works for the LA Kings. And she brings with her a space heater everywhere wow. to every single arena. So she has a little space heater that she plugs in and uses it at every single arena. Does she fit <laughs> it in her purse or like? How does uh, she... Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a small she has like, um, it's a purse that's similar size to mine. And so it's a little bit bigger, but yeah, she she fits a mini space theater. That's impressive, first of all. I, I know. Honestly, I'm like, hmm, that's not a bad idea. Because <laughs> some of the arenas are freezing. Yeah, some are very, very, very cold, especially in Winnipeg. Mm, so cold. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, but yeah, a lot of the ice rinks are really, the Carolina Hurricanes ice rink for some reason is very, very cold too. But even Pepsi Center gets cold the days after the Nuggets play. If we have a hockey game, they crank the AC because you want the ice, ice to be hard enough for the players to skate on. Um, and so I've always known that anytime there's a Nuggets game at Pepsi Center the day before an Avs game, always dress as warm as you can and wear a long sleeve shirt under a blazer rather than just a tank top. Tank top. Huh, <laughs> yeah. I guess I didn't think about it, but obviously that makes sense because they need the ice to be as hard as it can get. So yeah. Oh, chilly. Uh, another part <laughs> I want to, I'm like sitting in my bed with a blanket wrapped around me and I'm yeah, like, I know. Oh. <laughs> um, you have become quite the hot commodity here in Denver. Obviously you have player. I watch your Instagram lives and people are always <laughs> Uh, throwing <laughs> pickup lines at you and such. Oh my gosh, they're so funny. So I heard one the other day and I was dying of laughter. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're yeah. so funny. But you handle it with such grace too. So what would you say is the best way to handle those situations? Yeah, I think people for the most part are just trying to be funny. Um, and I take it as that, you know, I just take it as a joke. Like, I think someone said the other day, are you a bank? Because you have my interest. And I just think I I just that's just like my kind of humor in general. Like, I'll say funny, cheesy pickup lines like that to my girlfriends, like as a joke. Um, and they just and so I just really relate to humor like that. And so I just kind of laugh it off because um you know, it's it's just funny. I I and I think it's creative. People are are finding creative ways to be to be silly. Um, and so it's 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 cool because it's it's shown that you know I've really really enjoyed being here and I've enjoyed the relationships that I've made with fans. You know, via social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Um, and it's just been cool to to see those relationships grow and 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 you know, um, I just feel very very lucky to be in a, in a place where where I can relate to people like that um, and be able to have conversations with people like that who I don't necessarily even know or haven't met in person, but, but can interact with them via social media. It's just a really, really cool outlet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that people like the Instagram lives. It's been, it's been, you know, a way to stay busy during this time where we're, where we're all on lockdown. They're so funny. And you have quite the following on social media now. I know like it's for sure taken off in your time here in Denver. What would you say is the or some advice you would give to somebody who's hoping to grow their social media following? Yeah, I think my biggest thing is just to be yourself. Um, and that's what I try to do on my social media. Like I do post serious stuff about sports and, and interviews that I'm doing and, and the games and who we're playing. But I also try to, you know, interject also just a sense of myself and my personality because I'm a super like lighthearted, fun going, um, outgoing person. And I just want that to come through on my social media platforms. Cause I'm not trying to be anybody that I'm not. Um, and so I think that that's just the best way is just to be yourself and be confident in who you are and what you bring to the table. And and, and for me, it's if people like that, then great. And if they don't, then, you know, I can't try to be anybody that I'm not. Um, and so I'm just really glad that people have have related to me, you know, through that. And I feel lucky that I've been able to make those relationships. We both know people can be very rude on social media as well. It's a great way to say something that's not always nice because you can hide your face and yourself. What's your best way of handling people that aren't exactly the nicest? 
Yeah, it's one of those things too that you could get 50 to 100 amazingly nice comments and then one mean one. And that mean one's the one that sticks with you. Um, but I think that where I've kind of found comfort is, is if someone is being mean, you know, I've kind of shifted my focus to from, oh, well, woe is me and, and why is this person saying this thing about me? Um, to more of the fact of look at all of these positive comments that I've gotten and all this positive feedback that I've gotten. And even with this one negative comment, it's still someone that's talking about, you know, the content that either I'm producing or altitude's producing. Um, they're still there and they're still talking about it and they're still paying attention to it. So whether they like it or not, they're still consuming the content. Um, and everyone's entitled to an opinion. Um, even though it's not the nice, it's, it's just about having that thick skin and knowing like, look, you know, maybe I'm not this person's cup of tea, but I am these other 50 people's cup of tea. And so just having that mindset of just not focusing on what's negative, but instead focusing on glass half full and what you do have and, and, and who is supportive of you. Um, I think that's so important, but it's taken me a really long time and I still do struggle with it. Sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up in those, you know, negative vortexes um, every now and again, but it's just, you know, reshifting your mindset, reshifting your mentality, knowing, I'm doing this for a reason. I'm just doing the best job that I can. And I'm going to keep continuing to be myself and, and continue to do the best that I can. And if people like it, then that's amazing. And if they don't, you know, you can't let that one or two people bring you down. Would you say that you do get more positive feedback than negative feedback or do definitely you just, like zoom in on the positive more than the negative? I definitely get more positive um, feedback than negative feedback. And and now when I do get the negative, um, I just try to, you know, I don't go back and reread it. I'll read it one time. I'll be like, okay, this person thinks this, um, but let's read three or four other ones positive that, pe that people have. And then also sometimes I just like taking a break from social media, just setting down my phone and just spending time with the people that you're around. Because um, at the end of the day on social media, it's, it's through a screen. Um, there's nothing better than, than personal interactions that you have with the people that are actually around you. And that's, and that's, you know, if I'm getting down on myself, I'll just kind of put my phone down and, and focus on what I have around me rather than through the screen. We, you talked a little bit earlier about how you got so many more no's before you got this yes for altitude and social media is definitely a highlight reel for people that are continuing to get their no's right now. How yeah. would you give them advice to continue to push forward and know their yes is coming? it's so easy to get wrapped up in, you know, especially like tr in this industry, it's just so cutthroat and it's so easy to, you know, compare yourself to other people and kind of get caught up in that, you know, again, the vortex of just negative self thoughts. Um, and I, I remember when I was back in Michigan for about a year and a half before I got this job, um, I had heard no after no after no. And I was in like such a sad, dark place. I was just crying all the time. And, I'm like, is this, you know, industry really meant for me? And um, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I doing the right thing? Um, and it was, and it was me just telling me doubting myself. Um, and it's so easy to look at Instagram or Twitter and see this person getting a new job or this person, you know, doing this or that new and, and having new experiences. And um, it really took me a second to just like, set my phone down and I had a conversation with my parents that still stuck sticks out to me to this day. And my parents are like, it's not your time right now. And that's okay. Like I'm a very spiritual person. So I'm always been like, God has a plan for me and I'm going to end up where I need to be when I need to be there. Um, and I think I've just always tried to focus on that after I had this conversation with my parents, this was probably the spring of 2018. Um, that I had talked to my parents about it. And they're like, you cannot compare yourself to anybody else. Because if you looked at my social media at the time, you would think I was having the time of my life. Um, but I was really sad. And I was really down on myself. And it's just hard to kind of continue to pick yourself back up after you hear no, after no, after no. Um, and then with that conversation, my parents, my mom um, basically shifted my attitude to be like, you need to start rooting for other people. She's like, because as soon as you root for other people, good things are going to happen to you too. Know that just because someone else is getting somewhere faster than you or at a different pace than you, that's okay. And I think that that just kind of clicked. I'm like, yeah, why am I being so negative to myself? And why am I being so negative just in general? I said, that's not cultivating a good mental state. And ever since then, I started really... Um, 
positively self-talking myself. Like I can do this. If I get a no, it's just not my time. It's someone else's time. And I need to be excited for them because you think about how excited you are. If you get a new job, be excited for that person. Know that that's their exciting new step and that's their new step in their journey. And it's just not your journey and that's okay. And, um, it's just been such a great mental shift for me personally, because, since then, it's just like, I, it's like a weight lifted off of your shoulders. You feel like you're really, you know, supporting everybody else. And then in return, people support you too. It's like you give a little and you get a little. And it's just a great, um, my mom is just a wonderful human being. And it's just a great mentality to have. And, and that's thanks to her for kind of talking me out of my rut. But what I would say is to just never get a, give up. Know that you're put on this earth to do something important. And you're put on this earth to make an impact in other people's lives. Um, And no matter what your job is, whether you're in the sports industry, whether you're in the broadcasting industry, whether you're in the medical industry, use your platform as a way to help people and support people. Because in return, you know, that positive energy is just going to feed back positivity into your life. And I just think that's so, so, so important, especially now when when with social media and people can be so mean, just continue to support people and continue to positively self-talk yourself because your biggest fan is going to be you. So, um, yeah, two big lessons. I think I was just rambling there for a second, but no, <laughs> I hope you get the point. <laughs> everything you said makes sense. And it's funny because about two years ago, I was in that same place where, you know, you watched another female, especially get a job and you're like, why didn't I get this job? Mm-hmm. And we too tend to, you know, rude almost against females. And then it just hit me. And I was like, I want these girls to be my friends. Like we're all in this together. This industry is hard enough already. Like I need to be friends with all of these people. I want to root for them. Even if they don't know me on social media and they do like a great work, I'll still tweet at them and be like, congratulations. Like this is an awesome piece of work or yeah, you know, and that's great that you're doing that because it's so important to support each other, especially being, you know, a female in, in a male dominated industry, um, just supporting each other and being there for each other and helping each other grow and establish, you know, a pathway in this industry. Um, it's just so important to stay connected and intertwined. Plus, it's so nice just to reach out for advice. Sometimes, they, you know, you've a lot of people that don't work in the sports industry, they don't get it. I can try to talk to my friends about some of the things I do at work and they have no clue. And so mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to reach out to like one of my friends who works in the sports industry and they're like, oh, I totally get it. You know, I totally get you're going to work till 1am yeah. on a Friday night. Like totally Absolutely. understand it. And it's been, and it's been, so, it's been some of the greatest friendships that I've made and that I still have to this day are friends that I have in the industry just because they understand and they get it. Um, and, and I cherish those relationships. And I wouldn't have had those if I would have had kept that same mentality that I had two and a half years ago. One of them that you mentioned was Taylor McGregor. And I grew up watching Taylor uh, cover the Rockies. So it was yeah. really cool to see, obviously, her job now with Chicago. Uh, but I think it's so great that she reached out to you when you first moved out here. You guys went to church together. And yes. it's just been, <laughs> like blossomed into a friendship. I see you on social media both rooting each other on. Yeah, she's... She, Taylor McGregor, let me just start by saying she is one of the best human beings that I've ever met in my entire life. Um, So when I first moved here to Denver, I started on April 1st and she texted me on April 3rd. She got my number through mutual friend, Michelle Margot, um, who's, who's also in the industry. And um, she texted me, Taylor texted me and she's like, Hey, do you want to get brunch this weekend? I know you just moved into the town. I work for the Rockies. I would love to meet you. And I said, absolutely. She's like, she's like, are you religious or spiritual at all. Like I'm going to church on Sunday. If you want to come to church with me and then we could go after. And I said, yes. So she took me to her church, Red Rocks church, which is still the church that I go to, to this day. Um, and we got brunch after and we just hit it off. And since then she's been one of my closest friends here in Denver and in general, um, we talk probably at least once or twice a week, um, on the phone. And then we text almost every day, but she's just such a great support system and just such a great human being in general. Um, and, and I'm so thankful for that friendship, but yeah, it's some of the closest friendships that I've made are friends in the industry. And, and it's just cool to see, see how, you know, we kind of all grow um, individually, but also all grow together at the same time. Is there one piece of advice that she gave you? Cause she had been obviously covering a professional team for a while now, uh, back obviously when you started, is there any piece of advice that she gave you about covering, um, uh, the Rapids or the Avalanche? 
It wasn't necessarily a piece of advice, but she just made me feel comfortable here in the city. Um, she's like, welcome to Denver. I'm always here if you need anything. Um, feel free to come over to my mom's house for dinner. Like, so she just really made, she was one of the first people to make the city feel like home. Um, and that was such a sense of comfort for me coming to a brand new place where I didn't really know very many people um, and having a girlfriend right off of the bat, um, which I've, you know, I love having guy friends. It's, it's so great. And, and I've always been the kind of girl to have a lot of guy friends. Um, but just having a, an established girlfriend here in Denver before, you know, I really even started um, was just awesome. So it was more making the city feel like home rather than a specific piece of advice um, that she gave me about, you know, doing the job. You, one of the things on your resume is an esports host. Yes. <laughs> Can you talk us through, I, a lot of people don't understand the concept of esports. I think now we're starting to because we're in this quarantine, but what exactly were you doing? Were these people in their own homes or were they actually in studio with you playing? Yeah, we were all in a studio. So I've hosted a Fortnite tournament. Um, Hearthstone is another game that I did, a Dota 2 tournament, Rocket League. I know these are probably like, you're like, what the heck is going I've on? I've known two of um, the games you said so far. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, Fortnite, most people know about. Yep. Um, but it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, in the crowd, it's like, the crowd at, at an actual sporting event. Um, but basically these, these players and, and they're very, very talented at what they do. Um, they play video games and, and they win big money. It's just crazy. And they're like, they're kids that are not even 20 years old yet. And they're just very, very talented. Um, but I, but I appreciate it so much more now that I've worked in it because these people actually really do put so much work into playing video games and getting skilled at, at what they do and, and they're successful at it. Um, but yeah, I hosted events in LA and Las Vegas and met all of these different players and worked with a bunch of different broadcast crews and producers. And it's just such a different dynamic. But I'm really, really grateful that I got to experience it because I feel like it helped me grow as a broadcaster because I really had no clue what the heck I was talking about. And I had to work really, really hard to learn about the sports and and learn about um, how they're played and how the players' personalities are. And um, it's just such a different dynamic. But I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to do that because I feel like it helped me grow. Um, so that was cool. <laughs> How did you even learn about that job? Um, so one of the producers that I worked with back in Detroit, his name is Michael A.U. He worked at Fox Sports Detroit, um, got the job as the coordinating producer out in Las Vegas for a company called um, WSOE. Um, and so he called me and he's like, I just think that your personality would be great on this. Like we want to bring in someone who's like a fresh face and a fresh personality who doesn't necessarily um, focus primarily on esports, but we think it would be fun to have you in to just bring like, like fun and energy and, and, and just a different dynamic. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Why not? I was like, I didn't know what I was signing up for, but I just knew that I wanted a new experience and, and I wanted to try it out. And it ended up being one of the greatest things. Um, some of the clips that I actually, um, you know, did during the esports broadcast or what I sent my boss, Kenny Miller here. And he's like, that's kind of what sold us on you is because you're broadcasting something you don't even necessarily know what you're doing, but you sound like, you know what you're talking about. And he's like, and he kind of, it kind of sold him on, on, you know, um, my ability to be able to do a, a wide range and wide variety of different things, which was really cool. Can you're still allowed to do that, right? Um, yeah, but just with everything going on right now and, and it, I'm allowed to do it if it doesn't, um, conflict with my schedule with the Rapids and, and the Avalanche, cause obviously that's my first priority. Was that something that you had to discuss in your contract or how did that work? Um, yeah. So basically when I signed my contract, I didn't sign a non-compete, so I'm still allowed to freelance, um, doing other things, um, as long as it doesn't um, take away my time with the avalanche and with the rapids. Okay. So I'm able to still do freelance, um, opportunities with other, you know, networks and companies, um, as long as, as altitude is always my first priority, which it definitely is. And did you hire an agent or did you kind of negotiate your own contract? Yeah, I had an agent at the time. Um, and he kind of helped with that. I did a lot of the legwork on my own just because I was so motivated to 
to get a, a job and um I was just, I just really like knew that I really wanted to work hard for myself. Um, so my agent helped with the final, um, you know, the final negotiations, but for the most part, I did a lot of legwork by myself. What was one of your deciding factors to go ahead and get an agent and at what age did you get one? Um, I signed with my agent in 2017. So March of 2017, after talking to um, a really good friend at the time who's also in the industry. And he said that, you know, it might help me get that next step. Um, And it got me a lot of different interview opportunities, which was incredible. Um, And, and it it kind of opened up my eyes um, to, you know, what agents can do. Um, I still did a lot of work for myself and a lot of research myself and sent out a lot of emails myself just because I knew that I would be my own strongest advocate. Um, and I, I'm just the kind of person that just, I like to take control of everything that I do. I just, I'm kind of a control freak and I know that I can, you know, things that I want to get done, I can do them the best myself. I'm like, um, yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> you, exactly. And so I kind of just took the reins on that and was sending out emails to a bunch of different executive producers on my own. And, um, if I'd get close to a job opportunity, then I'd bring my agent in for more of negotiations and stuff like that. What would you say is some advice you would give to somebody who's thinking about hiring an agent, but isn't quite sure about what to do? I would say if you're thinking about hiring an agent, do your research, know that if you're hiring someone, um, you want them to really work for you, um, and have that experience for you and with you. And you want it to be more of a friendship than, you know, but also a business relationship at the same time. Um, so I would just, I would just say, do your research, make sure to ask around a lot of different people in the industry, know a lot of the different agents. Um, so you could just have conversations with other people that, you know, in the industry, what they know about different agencies and, and who's going to work for you and who's really going to put you first. Um, and I just think that that's the most important thing. Would you say that you need an agent to get the big job? No, I don't think that you do. Like Taylor McGregor got her job with the Rockies by herself without an agent. And I know a lot of other people um, with the same story um, who have gotten agents without, I mean, who have gotten jobs without having an agent. Um, Do I think it helps maybe see different job opportunities um, that aren't necessarily always posted online? Yes. Um, But I also think that if you're strong-willed enough to be sending out emails and, and Um, really fighting for yourself on your behalf, I think that you don't necessarily need one to get that next job. So I had asked some women that I know that are in college still for questions that they had for women in your position. And one of them I got was, how do I get better at leading interviews? Ooh, watch other people that you look up to interview. That was my biggest thing. I'd always watch, you know, Allison Williams and especially someone like Samantha Ponder, Laura Rutledge, people that I really looked up to and I respected in the industry, Holly Rowe, Tracy Wolfson, um, Aaron Andrews. I mean, there's just so many. Just watch them, listen to the kind of questions that they're asking, and then kind of incorporate how not only what they're asking, but how they carry themselves through an interview and use that. in your own interviews. Don't necessarily copy what they're doing because you still want to be yourself, but just look and watch how they present themselves and what sort of content that they're asking. And what the, if you watch a game, like even if you're watching a basketball game or watching a hockey game or watching a football game, come up with some questions that you would ask at halftime or ask post game, and then compare that to what um, the reporter for that game is actually asking and be like, oh, you know, like I asked a similar question to that, but maybe I could have worded it like this differently. Or, oh, you know, this was very similar to what I was thinking, but maybe I could have said it this way instead. And so I think that that's what made me a lot stronger is watching people that I look up to. And even someone like Catherine Tappan for me has been a huge inspiration. She's the um, host on NBC Sports for basically all the marquee hockey games. And um, she's not necessarily doing interviews with players all the time, but she is a host. And so she's interviewing the analysts during the show asking them questions and so just watching her has been a really huge um, growing point for me as well Um, but I just say watch 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 just expose yourself to different reporters doing different interviews and seeing what they have to say another question I got was looking at jobs what are some things to be aware of Ooh, 
looking at jobs, what are some things to be aware of? I guess it's just, that's a really broad question. Um, and I guess it's just knowing like where you want to be eventually. And I think for me, it's never like saying no to any opportunity that presents itself to you. I remember being back in Michigan. Um, I had like 10 jobs at once. I didn't sleep very much, but it all ultimately helped me to get to where I am today. And I've always been very, very driven um, to, to, I just want to be the best that I can be, not even compared to other people, but just for me personally, I just want to be the best person I can be. I want to be the best broadcaster I can be. Um, and I think just never saying no to any opportunities that present themselves. Um, that would be my biggest piece of advice for that question. Well, Lauren, I can't thank you enough for taking the last hour out of your life to sit and Thanks, talk with Rach. me. Is there a way it. for people to get in touch with you via Instagram, Twitter? What's your handle? Yeah, yeah. My my Instagram and Twitter handle are both the same, just Lauren Jabara, um, no spaces, all lowercase. Um, and or just shoot me an email, lauren.jabara at altitude.tv if you ever have any questions. Um, my door is always open. I've had so many people who have mentored me along the years, and I would love to be that for for somebody else um, who's looking to grow and advance in the broadcasting industry or just in any industry in general. Um, I just or just looking for a friend. I'm always here. <laughs> so true. Perfect. I'll leave that in the description box too in case anybody wants to find you. Maybe they want to tune into your Instagram lives or do a workout class oh, with yeah. you. Don't forget, I'm going to be hitting you up for those beats. So. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds great. Awesome, Lauren. Well, thank you again. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope you all enjoyed this conversation between Lauren and I. She was so sweet, so open and honest, which is one thing that I definitely love about her been so great getting to know her and watching her succeed here in Denver. Next week, we have another Lauren joining the podcast. We have Lauren Gardner, who is also the former Altitude reporter for the Colorado Avalanche. I hope you all will look forward to listening into that chat. And with that being said, I hope everybody is being safe, being healthy, and continuing to fight this virus off. Hopefully, sports will be back sooner rather than later. We'll see everybody next week.